The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. As we continue in our series on family matters, we're looking at the primary commandment to husbands, which is to love their wives. But what does love mean? Is it a feeling? Is it dependent upon the object of the love? We've begun looking at the definition of love from a biblical standpoint, as found in the love chapter, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We are learning that The biblical definition of love, or charity, as it is more properly translated, actually has very little to do with feelings and everything to do with actions. True Christ-like love doesn't depend upon the heart fluttering when we see the person that we are supposed to love, but rather depends upon how we treat that person on an everyday basis. I hope you'll stay tuned for the message today, but first we have a song selection that we hope you'll enjoy.
It says, charity envieth not. I've seen marriages where the husband was jealous of the wife. Beloved, we should never be jealous. We should always be lifting them up. We're not envying them. We're not. Charity itself, love itself, does not envy. It's not focused upon yourself. The word envy there literally means to boil. You ever envied somebody? You ever had covetousness? Now, you know, don't raise your hands because I don't want you to be confessing to me, but I'm going to raise mine because I always have to confess to y'all. I have envied before, and it's like a fire inside. You say, I, I want that so bad. You know, I just, you're, you're boiling inside. But in, charity doesn't do that. Charity is, is wanting that other person to do well, wanting that other person to succeed. Husbands, our jobs are to help our wives to succeed in life. To be the most godly and spiritual that they can be. We're not envying. Charity vaunteth not itself is not puffed up. Look at that. <laughs> you know, all that means is, is that I've heard my grandmother say this before. Uh, when I'd be, I'd be pouting about something, she said, you're swelled up like an old bullfrog. You've heard that, I'm sure. Well, charity doesn't do that. Charity doesn't swell up like an old bullfrog. You know, sometimes the problems within a marriage are not shouting and anger that's expressed. Sometimes it's just the silent treatment. It's just for sometimes days, a husband or maybe a wife too, but we're talking about husbands right now, will go, uh, days will go by and the husbands won't say anything. That's not, that's not what we have here. It's not puffed up. We're not, we don't swell up like a bullfrog. We don't suck. He says in verse 5, it doth, Charity doth not behave itself unseemly. The word unseemly is, is a Greek word that is the opposite of this Greek word schema, where we get our word schematics or scheme, like blueprint, you see. In Greek, if you add the little letter alpha or A in our alphabet to the beginning of it, it makes it the opposite of whatever it is. This is A schema, A schema, okay? So, so notice what's, what he's saying here. He's saying love doesn't act unseemly. It doesn't act against what you ought to be acting, you see. The schematics of love have to do with, with, uh, with, with what we've been reading about. But this, what he's saying here is love does not act unbecomingly. It seeketh not her own. It's not selfish, you see. Now notice this one here. This is a hard one for me to preach because this is one of my biggest problems. Is not easily provoked. Is not easily provoked. You know, I know we go around sometimes, we say, I can't help it, God just made me that way. Somebody says, well, I've just got a short temper. That's the way God made me. No, God didn't make you that way. Adam made you that way. And you've, you've, you've reveled in it probably, if you're like me, and you've, you know, exercise is something I don't get into too well, but I sure have exercised that particular muscle, Brother Mackey. Easily provoked, anger, you see. We've talked about that already. But when the context of our marriage, we cannot be easily provoked, short-tempered with our wives or with our children. And, and it also has the, it carries the idea of being exasperated or easily irritated. We should not be easily exasperated. We should not be easily irritated in general, but particularly in the context of our marriages. 
Now look at the, the last part of this verse here. Thinketh no evil. Charity, love, thinketh no evil. You know what that's talking about, husbands? That's talking about the fact that you don't keep a record of all the wrongs that have been committed. You know, I'm the world's best record keeper, Brother Mackey. I can go back and say, well, any time, I guess part of it comes from being a lawyer. You know, you're supposed to remember things that were said and be able to turn them and twist them and use them against the other party. You know, my, my dear wife has very often when I've come home after a hard day at the office or when, I'm, when I've been in trial, she'll say, hey, I'm not, we're not in trial anymore. Okay. She'll remind me of that. All right. But see, the idea is this, is that we don't keep a record of the wrongdoings. In fact, this is where bitterness will creep in, husbands. You know, you remember in Colossians 3 there, he said, be not bitter against them. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter. That's where bitterness creeps in. You begin to keep a list of the records. And every time there's an argument, you say, well, on such and such day you did this. On the other day you did that. And you begin to, even if you don't say it, you rehearse it in your minds. But love thinketh no evil. It does not bear grudges. Verse 6, it rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Now that's pretty self-explanatory, pretty clear right there. Truth and iniquity have no place together anywhere, but especially not in the home. You're not rejoicing in wicked things, you're rejoicing in the truth. That means you've got to know the truth, husbands. Wives, we need to know the truth. That means we need to stay in the Word of God. Now look, verse 7, this is one that really gets down to where we live beareth all things believeth all things hopeth all things endureth all things all things here I believe that he's talking about is everything anything and everything that we perceive as a slight or an offense toward us anything and everything that we take offense at with some other person. Remember, we're talking specifically, though, in the context of husbands and wives. So notice what it says. We're to bear those things. What does bear mean? Bear means, literally, the, the definition of the word bear from the Greek here means to cover over with silence. To cover over with silence. You know what that means? It means you're not always bringing them back up. Remember that list we're talking about keeping? You're not always bringing them back up. And sometimes the best thing to do is not to do or say anything. Sometimes that's the best thing. Husbands, but not just husbands, all of us, but in the context of our marriages, you don't have to take up everything, you see. 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all things have fervent charity. Not just any kind of charity. Fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. We're talking about husbands, so let's just focus on that, husbands. When your wives do something you don't like, as long as it's not immoral, as long as it's not dangerous or detrimental to the marriage, sometimes just cover it over with charity. Just, you know, don't bring it up. Don't bear it, you see, because love bears all things. You know, coming out to the context of the church, isn't that what we're supposed to do as a church? Isn't that why we wash feet? To remind us that we're to forgive one another, we're to forbear one another and forgive one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, forgave us. See, that makes it a little difference, doesn't it, husbands? You're to forgive your wives. Again, remember, all this applies both ways, but particularly in the context of husbands, you're to bear these things with your wives in love. 
You know why? Because Christ has borne so much in regard to you. Think about all he's had to put up with. <laughs> Think about it. Every single day. Beareth all things. Believeth. Believeth all things. See, not only are we to bear with our wives, we're to believe them. We're to, we're to think good things. The idea is here is trust. I realize that a husband or a wife can break the trust of the other partner. We're all sinners. I get that. But, but we should, in general, we should deal with them from the standpoint of trust. And it also has to do with being entrusted with something, you see. Notice it says, also hopeth all things. In the context of husbands and wives, we should hope in them. That means we don't become cynical. We don't get, give in to despair. You'll never, we'll never, it'll never. You know, that kind of thing has no place in a marriage. Endureth all things. You know, if it comes down to nothing, if, if it gets down and the only thing you can do, if you have, you know, you're struggling with your wife, husband, and the only thing you can ultimately do is just endure, then that's what we're to do. And the idea is not just crossing our arms and sitting over in the corner waiting. The idea here is to keep on keeping on. Because that, that word there that says endure, it's the word we get the word, the, the English word patience from. And patience is not sitting down twiddling your thumbs. It is keeping on, keeping on, continuing to do right, continuing to do those things that you need to do and keep on treating them right. Notice, beginning here in verse 8, the enduring nature of love. Charity never faileth. Three little words that we would all do well to remember. Love never fails. You say, well, I lost that argument. I won that argument. You may, you may have won the argument, but you may have lost, you know. Now this is kind of, you know, facetious what I'm about to say. And it doesn't just apply to husbands and wives, although that was the context it was told to me. Before I got married, somebody told me who was being really cynical and really just kidding is all they're doing. said, okay, you just remember one thing, Brother Chris. You can be right or you can be happy, but you can't be both. <laughs> well... That was all a joke about marriage. I get it. And it was wrong thinking, wrong-headed thinking in the first place. But listen, there's some truth to that. Did you know you can be right and still be wrong? If you're right just for the sake of being right, it's just like believing the truth of grace. There was a time in my life when it was just important that I be right, Brother Mackey. I just, you know, the doctrine of election fact that we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world and we were predestinated to be conformed to his image hey it was enough for me just to be right I wanted to prove that they were wrong and I was right but you know that's not what it's all about because even though I may be right on that I guess what I'm wrong on some other things I've got some other things that I've messed up I'm I've, I'm still learning I'm still growing Okay, and, and the same thing in the context of marriage, husbands, that we are, we are to love our wives, we are, to, uh, uh, we are to, no matter what the outcome of the discussion, no matter whether uh, they are pleasing to us or they are not pleasing to us, we are to cover them with a mantle of charity. And that applies not just between husbands and wives, but out here in the world as well, especially in the context of the church. 
Because charity never fails. It triumphs over everything. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. All these spiritual gifts, those are spiritual gifts he was talking about in the 12th chapter leading up to this. Those spiritual gifts will vanish away. But charity will not. It will never fail. And notice verses 9 through 11. He says, For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You know what he's saying here? He's just basically saying that love, charity, is a sign of maturity. See, charity is ever maturing. It's ever growing. It's evolving, so to speak. It's getting better or else you're just losing it, you see. And charity is a sign of maturity. It's a sign of perfection or completeness. And verse 12 says, for now, we see through a glass darkly. You know, one of the reasons that when we get into a discussion or an argument with our wives or with anybody out there, we ought to always be charitable. Even if we know we're right, it's because I don't care how right we are, we're still just seeing through a glass darkly. In this veil, in this shadowland of sin and sorrow, it doesn't matter how right you are, there's some area where you're wrong every single time. It may be in your attitude, it may be something that you've gotten wrong from Scripture, but, it, but no matter where you are, you may have misunderstood something, you may have misperceived something. We see through a glass darkly, and so we ought to cover everything with a mantle of charity. But notice it says, then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I know. As you read the New Testament, especially Paul's letters, you're going to find that there's one overarching event that informs everything Paul does, and that is the resurrection. The fact that one day he's going to be in heaven. You know, you may get to the point in your marriage where you, know, you don't have the same feelings toward your husband or wife that you've had in the past. But if they're a child of God, you're going to be spending eternity with them. If nothing else, you should treat them like a fellow child of God. You know, sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. It's easy for me to treat you guys out here on Sunday morning like children of God, like fellow citizens with the saints. Sometimes when I go home and I've had a hard day and I'm not thinking on the spiritual things, I tend to treat my own family in ways that... that if you looked at it in that particular moment of time, you'd say, boy, he, doesn't, he must not think they're children of God. That, that hurts me to think that I've done that. That convicts me. But see, he's saying, now we're here struggling. You know, you may be wrong, I may be right, or it may be the other way around, but ultimately, we're going to be together face to face. I'll know as I'm known, I'll be face to face, not only with you, but with Christ. The resurrection ought to inform everything we do. Whenever I've uh, been acting in a way at home that I shouldn't be acting, it inevitably, after I'm done with the outburst or whatever it is that I'm thinking about doing, I'm thinking, Lord, I hope you didn't, I hope you don't come back right this second. That's a bad place to be as a child of God, isn't it? Because we ought to want him to come back any moment, but I'm embarrassed. I'd be embarrassed for him to come back in the midst of me acting like I'm not one of his children. Sometimes in the way I treat my family, I would be embarrassed in the, for the Lord to come back. Now, don't get me wrong, I really do want him to come back. 
And in fact, I wish he would come back in the, when I'm in the middle of something like that because he would get, that would eliminate that sin and that would eliminate that problem forever. You know, one day I'm going to be satisfied with me. I haven't had a day in my life where I've been perfectly satisfied with me. Paul says right now, I just know in part. I'm doing the best I can. Paul knew a lot more than we know, but he still only knew in part. He said, but then face to face. Notice about this, this last verse as we kind of bring this down to a close today, today. And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three. But the greatest of these is charity. The word abide there just means to continue. And it means in reference to time, it means to continue on and on. And it will never perish. Did you know there is one thing that we can take with us from this low ground of sin and sorrow into the eternal halls of glory? And that is the love that we have here. Now that's not some Hallmark movie catchphrase, okay? What he's, this, is a, this is a Bible truth. He says, now abideth. It's continuing on. It's not going to end. Faith, hope, charity... They're the three things that are going to be here uh, during, this, during this time. And eventually hope is going to go away because we're going to appear in glory and our hope, our faith will be ended and our hope will be ended, but our love will continue. That's why the greatest of these is charity. Did you know that charity is the only thing that will endure throughout eternity that we have here? Isn't that amazing? We have faith here. I hope you have faith. I trust you have faith. That's why you're here. You have faith in the words of God. You have faith in this, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I trust you have hope that He's coming back one day and that we're going to be resurrected. That even at death, you have hope that that's not the end. But one day, faith will end in sight. Hope will end with the consummation of that hope. But charity will continue. It will abide. I think it's important when he tells us husbands love your wives that we know what it means to love. And I'm so thankful he didn't leave us guessing about that. If the Lord will help us next time we're going to look at some practical applications of this love and what it means to employ it in our lives, husbands. But once again, I want to remind you you ladies out there that maybe you're married, maybe you're not, but you need to be listening because all of these things about love apply to you too. You also are to love your husbands. You're to love one another. You're to love your children. You're to love as Christ loved. Jesus said in, in the 13th chapter of Matthew, as we bring this to a close, he said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Now that's, not, that's without regard to family relationships or or anything else. He's saying, if you're a child of God, if you're one of my elect children, then you are to love. This is a commandment. You're to love one another. Okay? As I have loved you, so love you one another. So he tells us about the quality. It sounds kind of like what we've read about husbands, right? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Well, guess what? Friends, love one another as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And then he says this, and I think it's the sweetest thing or most important, one of the most important things he says. 
He says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. You know, I, I believe that we are correct in our understanding of the Bible doctrine of salvation. I believe that God in the, in the, the counsel of his own trinity in eternity past chose a people in Christ that Christ in time came to die for those people and that in their lives the Holy Spirit quickens and makes those people alive. I believe, I believe all of that to be true. But he didn't say that he didn't say that they would know that you're one of my children by how right you are or by how orthodox you are in your worship or about how, how correct you get it in your life. He said, the way they'll know you're my children is how you love one another. I, I, I'm thankful for our church here. I believe that, I believe we do love one another and I encourage you not to lose that because it can be lost. It can be lost. It only takes taking your foot off of that spring that's the, the natural man. You know, I heard Brother Armin Rich describe it this way. He said, the human nature is like a spring. You put your foot on it, you hold it down. But the minute you take your foot off of it, it pops right back up where it was. We're to love one another. And by that love, men will know that we are God's children. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com that's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.